Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. My name is Promise Bradley, and I am so honored to get to share the word of you, word of God with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, let's jump right into it. Amen. Let's turn to James chapter 4, verse 7. The title of the message this morning is Unconditional Surrender. Unconditional Surrender. You know, I was driving around a local town here in southern Illinois where I lived the other day, and um, I was just kind of taking in the scenery as I went, and it suddenly struck me how many flags I had seen. I mean, I saw flags all over the place. I saw them on people's homes, in their yards, on buildings and businesses. I even saw a a vehicle that was decked out in flags. And I saw lots of different flags too. I saw sport teams flags, American flags, rebel flags, rainbow flags, blue line flags, BLM flags, Republican flags, Democrat flags. I saw flags, I didn't even know what they were. I didn't even know what they meant anymore. And I was like, We are living in an unprecedented time of flag waving. (laughs) At least in my lifetime, I've never seen this many flags. And I was like, Jesus, what's going on here? You know, in a time when there's hard lines being drawn in the sand between diametrically opposed viewpoints, flags take on a very special significance for us, don't they? They signify where our loyalties lie, where our support lies, maybe where our patriotism lies. Maybe we can put out a flag and we can say, this represents me and my identity. And I was like, everybody's got a flag. I want a flag. (laughs) Jesus, I'm going to put a flag in my yard. What flag should I put in my yard? You know how you like make a decision and then you invite God into the process? You're like, God, I've made a decision. I've I've made an executive decision. I want you to be on the committee that decides how this gets accomplished. (laughs) Or have you ever asked God a question and then you quickly realize that you just set yourself up because he's about to flip the script on you? You ask him a really direct question and you want a really direct answer back. And he's like, let's use this as an opportunity to talk about something completely different. That is what happened to me that day. So I'm like, Lord, I want a flag. I need a flag in my yard. What's it going to be? And he's like, you know, promise, I'm just really not super concerned about what flag you put in your yard right now. I really want to talk about what flag you have waving in your heart. And I was like, yeah, Jesus, I didn't ask you about my heart. Because, I mean, that sounds just like you, man. But I didn't ask you about that because nobody sees my heart. People see my yard, and I want to know what I need to put out there so when people drive by, they know what I'm about. And he was like, yeah, but I see your heart promise. And that's what I want to talk to you about right now. And he showed me an image of a flag that day that he would have me wave in my heart. And perhaps you can guess from the title of my message what that flag looked like. It was a completely white banner. And historically, a a white banner is an international symbol of surrender. When there's two armies on the battlefield in battle and one of them raises the white flag, it signifies cease fire. I am ready to parlay with you and negotiate the terms of my surrender. I give up. And something really interesting has happened historically throughout different battles throughout history. Army generals will actually go in and they will confiscate every article of white clothing that their soldiers have because they do not want them to use it to surrender to the enemy. But soldiers have learned that there's a second internationally recognized symbol of surrender and it is to lay down your weapons 
and to raise your hands high above your head, empty and open. I surrender. The word surrender in Webster's is defined as the action of yielding one's person or giving up the possession of something into the power of another. That's why we raise our hands and worship like that. We're yielding our lives into the possession of the Lord. In military terms, surrender is the relinquishment of control over to another power. And a sovereign state can surrender in two different ways, either peacefully without fighting or as a result of defeat in battle. Either way, surrender means you've been conquered. It means you lose. And we don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about yourself in terms of being conquered by the Lord. But we're going to go there today. And it's going to be a challenge, but it's going to be beautiful. Are you up for it? Yeah. We don't want to lose. We don't want to surrender. It's no fun to hand over your life, to hand over your dreams, your desires, your plans. We don't want to do that. We don't set out with God to be conquered by him, do we? We, So often, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell us straight today. So often we set out with the Lord for him to make us a better life. Can we get real? That's what we want from him. We want more safety, more security, more comfort. And here's the thing. God does give us a better life in so many ways, but in so many ways it's not the way that we expect. We got to get serious about what the gospel is really about. We don't set out with God to be conquered. We don't like to be conquered. We want to be conquerors. Amen. And praise God, the Bible says that we are in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors through Christ. And that is true 100%. But we are only conquerors in so much as we surrender to the true conqueror who is Jesus Christ. Are you at James chapter 4 verse 7? Let's read it. I love this scripture. You know why? Because it is so straightforward, but it is so powerful. Three-step process. Are you ready? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. If I do the first two, the enemy has no choice but to do the second one. That, that, that word submit in the Greek, it's the Greek word hupatasso, which is really fun to say, but it's not so much fun to do. I feel like you have to say it like that, though. Hupatasso. It just makes it better, I guess, because it's not so much fun to do. But it's to put oneself into subjection or to surrender control to another person or power. It's when I use my will to do the greatest act that I can with my will and surrender it over to the Lord. I don't know how often I quote this scripture, though. When I'm going through a season of of I'm, I'm really battling with temptation or I'm oppressed or a friend of mine is going through that, and I'll say, well, just resist the devil and he will flee. Just resist the devil and he will flee. Just resist the devil and he will flee. And I forget about what is the prerequisite to even have the ability to resist the devil, and that is the first part, to submit to the Lord. See, we have no hope of victory over the enemy unless we submit ourselves to God. See, I'm convinced that we cannot win a war against the enemy until we first lose our war against God. I'm going to say it again because it's the thesis of the message this morning. We cannot win a war against the enemy unless we first lose every war that we wage against God. 
You know, several times in the Bible, it talks about us being enemies with God. And I know we don't like to think about that. We don't like to think about it. We want to think about how God loves everyone and how Jesus is a friend of sinners. And that is 100% true. That is my heartbeat. You gotta, if you know me, you know that I love that message. It's 100% true. God does love everyone, and Jesus is a friend of sinners. But this is what that looks like. That looks like God sending Jesus to die on a cross for our sins, to reconcile us to the Father, to change the relationship from enemy of God to friend of God. That's what it looks like. In that same chapter, James chapter 4, if you skip on up to verse 4, it says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And in Romans 8, verse 7, you don't have to go there, but I'm going to read it to you. It says, So people become enemies of God when they are controlled by their human nature. For they do not obey God's law, and in fact, they cannot obey it. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. God, Jesus can be a friend of a sinner. He can be my friend, and I might not be his friend back. I might war against him and what he wants to do in my life. Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 6. You see, there's only two options for identity in this life slave of sin or slave of righteousness I know this is a tough message and I told the Lord I didn't really want to preach it this morning (laughs) if I think that I am the master of my own life if I can be the master of my own life I am deceived let me tell you why it doesn't mean that I don't have free will it doesn't mean that I don't have a level of sovereignty in my life But this is what my sovereignty looks like. This is where it begins and ends. I get to choose who I will serve. That's it. That's where my sovereignty begins and ends. I get to choose if I will be a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. I get to choose if I will obey my sinful nature or surrender to the Lord and obey the Lord. That's it. Romans 6 verse 16 It says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteousness or righteous living. Thank God. Come on, can somebody thank God today that you've chosen to follow the Lord and, 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 and you've turned your back on your sinful nature? Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly, somebody say wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly obey this teaching which we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. I don't know about you, but if those are my two options, slave of sin or slave of righteousness, I want to be a slave of righteousness because there is so much more freedom in that. When God is your master, freedom is your lifestyle. How do I become a slave of righteousness? I surrender to the Lord. I surrender to him day after day after day. I surrender to him first when I receive Jesus and I surrender my life at salvation. But then I enter into a process as a believer called sanctification. And you know, we've heard a lot about sanctification. If you've been in the church for very long, you've you've heard that word and it's this big churchy word and sometimes it's intimidating, right? And we're like, I don't really know what that means, but I know I'm supposed to be doing it. I'm going to break it down for us and make it super simple this morning. Amen. 
Sanctification is simply the continual and perpetual surrender in the life of a believer. That's it. The continual and, surren- and, and perpetual surrender in the life of a believer. What are we surrendering to? We're surrendering to the will of the Lord. We're surrendering to his word. You know what that means? That means when I read it in the word, I apply it to my life. I don't take the word and twist it and make it fit my sensibilities or the sensibilities of the culture and the time in which I live. I take God at his word. I surrender to what he says, even if I don't like it, even if I don't agree with it. I believe the word of God. I surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit day after day, moment after moment. I surrender to the discipline of the Lord Jesus. Let me give you an example. Let me just give us, let's just go through a day in the life of a believer as they're learning how to surrender because this is a process. And when we mess up, what do we do? We surrender to his forgiveness and we surrender to his mercy and we surrender to his grace to get back up and to do it again, amen? We don't get into this place of, well, I'm just messed up and I'm not good enough and I can't do this thing. No, 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 no. We are meant to live a lifestyle of grace, We're meant to swim in it, swimming in his grace today. So it looks like this. I wake up in the morning. Jesus, your mercies are new this morning. The Bible says, I surrender to your mercy because I need it, Jesus. And Lord, I surrender to your guidance right now in the secret place in our time together. Lord, it's not my will. It's not about what I want to accomplish in this time. I surrender. What do you want to speak to me, Lord? What's my daily bread today? Where do you want me to go in the word? What do you want me to meditate on today, Jesus? I've got a laundry list of requests for you, but I just, I lay them at your feet, Jesus. What do you want me to pray about? Maybe you want me to pray in a different way today, Jesus. I surrender this day to you. I surrender. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will say whatever you want me to say. I will do whatever you want me to do. I get to work and everybody's something something crazy is going on and I say Jesus I surrender to you right now Lord how do you want me to navigate this situation at work right now somebody's being offensive to me Lord I surrender my anger and I surrender my bitterness towards that person Jesus what do you want me to say to them what do you want me to do I surrender right now I leave work I go to the store I've got my list of things that I want to buy and I say Jesus I surrender my my grocery list to you or, or my shopping list to you Lord because my checkbook is yours and I will buy what you want me to buy, not what I want to buy. And I surrender my health to you. Come on. I know I'm stepping on toes this morning. I don't care. I surrender my health to you this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, there's all kinds of people at this store. Is there somebody that you want me to talk to? Is there somebody you want me to pray with? Is there somebody you want me to share the gospel with? I surrender to you. I surrender my pride. I don't care if I look foolish, Jesus. I surrender it to you right now. I'm in line. You want me to pay for somebody's groceries? Okay, Jesus, we're going to do this. I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to pay for their groceries, Jesus, because my paycheck is yours Lord I get home and my kid is acting a fool oh Jesus I surrender my anger to you right now Lord I know I I just what do you want me to say how do you want me to play this out how do you how would you do it Jesus tell me okay I go in their room and I blow my top and I go back out and I surrender to your forgiveness and I surrender to your mercy and I surrender to your grace to go and do the right thing. I surrender my pride to you. I go back in there and I apologize to my child. Oh, my spouse is in a tizzy. Okay, okay. We got a bill. We got a bill and we can't pay it. All right, Lord, we as a family right now, we're going to surrender in faith. We're going to yield to faith to you, Jesus. You are our provider. You are the one who provides for us. We trust you. We're going to surrender to you right now, Jesus. We surrender it 
And my, my spouse is still upset about something. Okay, all right, Lord, we're going to do this. I surrender. What do you want me to say? I surrender my mouth to you. Okay, this is going to be one of those all-nighters. All right, I surrender my sleep to you, Jesus. I surrender my sleep because I'm not going to let the sun go down on my anger. A day in the life of a believer. Galatians 2, verse 20. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. I've often puzzled at this scripture and tried to understand what it's about. What did it look like when Jesus was crucified? It started in a garden. It started with him praying as blood dripped from his forehead. He was sweating drops of blood, the Bible says. And he said, I don't want to do this. If there's some other way, let it be. Let this cut pass from me, Lord. But then he learned obedience. He learned surrender. He is our example. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he he told them, no one takes my life from me. I freely give it. I freely offer it up. That's what it means to be crucified with Christ to completely surrender our lives into the will of God. He goes on to say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I surrender to faith, in other words. I surrender to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. How can Christ live his life through us unless we surrender moment to moment to moment? But how often as believers do we war against what God wants to do in our lives? How often do we put terms and conditions on it? And we fight against him. And we say, Jesus, I'll do it if you make sure that I don't look foolish. Jesus, I'll do it if everybody tells me it's a good thing to do. Jesus, I'll do it if you'll show me the outcome first. I'll do it if it looks like X, Y, Z. In my 20s, I'm almost 40 now, but in my 20s, I felt this intense call on my life for my life to count for the issue of human trafficking, to see an end to slavery in my generation. And I began crying out to the Lord. And if you had asked me at that time if I was sold out to the cause, I would have said, are you kidding me? I absolutely am fully surrendered to this cause. I will go anywhere and do anything. But in the back of my mind, I had a vision of what it was going to look like. I knew I was going to be overseas somewhere. I was going to be kicking down brothel walls. I was going to be running in. I was going to be grabbing a kid under both arms, and I was going to be running out. And then run back in and get more kids. And I prayed for seven years about it. God, open the door. I'm ready. Where's the door? My life was not surrendered enough for him to open the door yet. I was not mature enough. And then he showed me At about the end of those seven years, he showed me what the vision actually was. I was surrendered enough to even receive the vision by that time. I couldn't even receive it before then. And he showed me that I was going to be going to strip clubs, and I was going to be going in and doing relational evangelism with the women who worked there. And I was like, nope. No, I'm not. That's not the plan. That's crazy. 
And it took about another year before I surrendered and gave him my unconditional yes. Because I had given him my yes, but I had not given him my unconditional yes yet. Do you understand? There's a difference. The whatever, whenever, however. And I finally said, okay, Jesus, I just want you. I'll serve anyway. I'll do anything you ask. I just want you. Do not take your presence from me, God. Wherever you tell me to go, I will go. And I'm telling you, as soon as I gave him my unconditional yes, that week the door opened. A woman who did not know me, we lived in different states, we didn't know any of the same people, randomly contacted me via social media, and I found out that she was a survivor of trafficking, and she was doing strip club ministry. And then, even more unbelievable, she trusted me. And she took me under her wing, and she opened the door for me to start doing it. And over the next seven years, I served in that area. And as a result, I was able to work with victims of trafficking, survivors of trafficking. I was able to network with safe homes all over the U.S. I was able to travel all over the state of Illinois, equipping and training frontline professionals in how to identify, respond to, and prevent human trafficking. Now, this is not a boast, because it took me eight years. Let this be a cautionary tale to not be like me. Don't make it take eight years to give God your unconditional yes for the call that is on your life. Give him your unconditional yes now in this moment. You don't even have to wait till the end of the service. Just position your heart right now and say, God, I give you my unconditional yes. And if I, if I feel like it's half-hearted, then Lord, give me the grace to give it to you wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Because God's not looking for our surrender, actually. He's looking for our unconditional surrender. In military terms, a surrender is one in which there are no guarantees, there are no terms, there are no demands, there are no conditions conceded to the surrendering party. See, God is not really interested in living a life with us on our own terms. He'll let us do it. He will. We have free will. We can choose who we will serve, our sinful nature or him and his perfect will. But I'll tell you what, I've already tried that. I've already tried living life on my own terms and it got me nowhere. And I bet there are lots of people in this room who can testify to that very fact. And here's the thing, God has a lot of promises in his word. I'm not talking about that. There are tons of promises that he does guarantee us. But I'm talking about when we put terms and conditions on the call of our life. And one thing that we like to put on, on the call of our life is safety. Can I get real with you this morning? We like to put safety and comfort as a condition on our surrender. And I'm telling you, church, the Lord is raising up an end-time army, and we need to get over that. We need to get real about what the gospel is really about, and he does not guarantee us safety. Show me where that is. He does not guarantee us safety for our phys- physical bodies but he guarantees us safety for our souls. And here's the ticket. Outside of his will, there's no guarantee of safety either. But in him, there is guarantee of safety for our souls. I've heard people say the safest place to be is in God's will, and that is 100% true because it's where our soul is safe. The only safety afforded to us in this world, soul safety. And there is this song by Wren Collective that I just love, and it's called uh, I've Counted Up the Cost, and it says, I do not need safety. As much as I need you, Jesus, you're dangerous, 
but Lord, you're beautiful. I have counted up the cost, and Lord, you are worth it. Amen. He is so worth our surrender. He is so worth it. But he has told us that in this world we will have trouble. That if the world hated him, it will hate us. In Matthew 10, verse 28, he said, Do not fear those who will kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Come on, somebody needs to hear this this morning. With COVID raging, we need to hear, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and hell, or soul and body in hell. We don't like to talk about the fear of the Lord, or we like to sugarcoat it. But it's the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. Why does an army general surrender in the first place? It's kind of out of fear, isn't it? Either I will fight and die, or I can surrender. And out of desperation, I'm surrendering. And one of the best moments, the best moment in a sinner's life, in my life, was when I realized I could die fighting God or I could surrender to him. And out of desperation, I said, God, I will die without you. I need you. And I surrendered unto him. We've got to live with that kind of desperation daily, not just at the point of salvation. And I don't know about you, but over the past six months, I have lived with that level of desperation. God, I need you. Don't take your presence from me. I will die without you, God. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that when we come to the Lord in that heart, he does not despise it. He honors it. And you know what happens? As we behold him because we've surrendered to him, we've let it all down. He turns that cry of desperation into a different cry of desperation. It's not a cry of desperation born out of fear, but it becomes a lovesick cry of desperation. Let me explain to you what I mean. When Blake and I were together before we got married, um, we'd been living together, and some circumstances had happened, and we, I, I needed to move out. And we had, it was a good thing, because I'd, we'd been feeling convicted about it anyways. We had recently rededicated our lives to Jesus, and we started to feel convicted about the fact that we were living together. And I wish I could tell you that we just, you know, moved out, but that's, there were some other circumstances that happened and kind of pushed us in that right direction. Thank you, Jesus. But I remember I went to live with my grandmother, and we still saw each other every day. We were were commuting back and forth to SIU together. We were on the road for two hours at least a day together in the same car. But I remember being so lovesick that first night. I laid on the couch and I was in the fetal position and I just, I'm dying. I am not kidding you. I was like, I'm dying without him because I was lovesick. And that's the kind of, desperate cry that it becomes it goes from God I will die without you I'm afraid to I will die without you God we we are meant to live in that tension church between the fear of the Lord and the love of God that's where he's calling us and a beautiful thing happens when we surrender to God and we stop fighting him in military terms when an army surrenders to the Lord and there's combatants on the field. They become something called POWs, prisoners of war. And a very similar thing happens when we surrender to God. We become his prisoner. But he doesn't actually call us a prisoner of war in the Bible. He calls us a prisoner of hope. Zechariah 
chapter 9, verse 12. It says this, return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. That's what it looks like to be a prisoner of war to God. I had been in a prison of sin, and he opened the door through the blood of Jesus. And now I come to him with my hands empty and open. I surrender God. And he's like, okay, return to the stronghold of hope. Get in the prison of hope. I'm going to shut the door and throw away the key. And you know what happens when I'm in the prison of hope? The whole world can burn around me. It doesn't matter. I am stuck in hope. And we have a pandemic in the church right now, and it's not COVID-19. You know what it is? It's hopelessness. I don't know how many people that I talk to, and I've gone through it myself many times, where we are losing hope. And you know what? In my life, I have found this to be true. If I'm going through a season of hopelessness, it is 100% every time because I have not surrendered something to the Lord. And I am trying to control it, and I am expecting a certain outcome, and when it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen, I lose my hope, and I'm doing all these things. I'm striving hard to do the right things, to stir up hope and peace and joy and faith and all of this stuff and I am losing the battle and I need to surrender and get into the stronghold of hope. Surrender by definition is an end to striving. It says I I stop striving. Cease fire. We see we can't strive our way into hope. We can't strive our way into peace. We can't strive our way into faith. We can't strive our way into joy. It's not a product of striving. It's a product of surrender. We have to yield ourselves to faith. We have to yield ourselves to the Lord's discipline. It's not about what I can do to discipline myself. It's about how much I can yield and surrender to the Lord's discipline in my life. William Booth, he's a very famous minister, very influential. He began the Salvation Army. He put it like this. He said, the greatest of man's power is in his surrender. It's not in our muscles. It's not in our dominance. It's not in our possession. It's not in our influence. It's not in what we can build or create. It's not in what we can discipline ourselves to do. It's not in our fight. It's in our surrender to Jesus. There is no shortcut to maturity except surrender. It's the quickest way, and it's the only way. You know, somebody can mature right quick if they just learn to surrender. That's what it takes. If you've been wondering how to grow in the Lord, how to go deeper with him, it's in your surrender. We've already talked about Jesus surrendering in the garden, but it looks like a lot of really just average people surrendering. Surrender is Esther. Under threat of death, marching in before the king, he could have killed her just for opening the door that she walked through. And she went before him to ask for the salvation of her people. Surrender is Daniel, also under threat of death, defying the evil orders of a king to worship the Lord. Surrender is Elijah, risking everything, getting up even though he wanted to give up, and defeating Jezebel and the prophets of Baal in order to combat the systemic purging of worship to God. And that should sound familiar to us. If it doesn't, we're not paying attention. Where are the Elijahs? Come on. 
I'll tell you where the Elijahs are. They're the surrendered saints of God. Surrender is Deborah fearlessly, a mother, a woman, fearlessly decreeing the word of God and riding into battle to defeat the enemies of God. Surrender is Moses with a staff in his hand, with his whole identity held in his palm. What he thought he was, who he thought he was, the end-all, be-all of who he was, a shepherd surrendering what he had to the Lord. You see, the Lord is calling us to surrender some things today, and one of them is our identity. I'm all about us learning about our identity in the Lord and growing in that, but at some point, I've got to surrender what I think my identity is and say, Lord, it's about you living your life through me. What if God asks us to surrender our identity and do something that we don't, it doesn't resonate with us and what we think about ourselves. The carefully constructed identity we've constructed for ourselves. And he's like, I want you to go and do this. And you're like, but I'm not that. And maybe we're like, I can't do that. I'm not qualified. And he says, I don't call those who are qualified. I qualify those who are called. Moses didn't think he was qualified either, but he gave up his staff. Come on. Or what if it's something he's asking us to do and we're like, Lord, I'm overqualified for that. That is beneath me. And he's like, yeah, but I'm asking you to do it in this season because there's some things that I'm going to teach you. Surrender is the disciples leaving their nets, leaving their safety and security. The thing that 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 they put their whole faith in to provide for their family surrendering it to follow Jesus where's that type of disciple who's that surrendered are you one am I one where are the Daniels and the Esthers willing to stand up and risk it all for what is right I am so thankful for our pastor pastor Chad I have watched him over the past few months I've watched him make hard decisions to do the right thing, and I'm so proud and I'm grateful for him. Where are the Moseses willing to surrender what's in their hand? Where are the Elijahs? Come on, I'm not just talking to men here. I'm talking to men and women. Where are the Elijahs who are willing to stand up and defeat and tear down the works of Jezebel and the prophets of Baal instead of offering up sacrifices to them every time we open our computer or open our devices. Can I tell you that that is what is fueling human trafficking? Pornography is fueling human trafficking. And if you don't believe me, sit with me for five minutes. I will prove it to you. We are to be prisoners of hope we are to be slaves of righteousness we cannot be slaves of righteousness and be slaves of sin at the same time church I plead with you to lay that junk down that is not for you you were not created for that kind of evil and that is what it is it is evil surrender it today surrender it at his feet Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.